Hi, I'm Dave Bazuki, founder and CEO at Roblox. You're listening to Tech Talks, a podcast about the people and ideas that are shaping the future of 3D human co-experience. In this series, we'll be exploring some of the most innovative technologies that have emerged in this new category and sharing stories with the Robloxians that are building them. Today, I'm joined by Rebecca Cantar, VP of Education Partnerships at Roblox. We'll be talking about our vision for verticalization on Roblox with a deep dive into our education vertical and the challenges we'll need to solve as we work toward our vision of serving all the students all the time. Let's get started. Welcome, Rebecca. It's so great to have you. Thank you, Dave. It's great to join you today. I think our listening audience would be quite interested to hear about the context of how we met. And so I'm going to maybe set the stage for several years ago when Roblox as a systems company was starting to hire more and more new college grads, more and more interns, and being a systems company, we wanted to do this in really both the optimal way, which also happens to be what we felt would be the fairest and most non-biased way, we had contemplated building some technology internally, and then through some amazing coincidence, we ran into you. Can you share a bit about what you were doing? Absolutely. I had become interested about eight years ago now in assessment and how to evaluate particularly hard to measure cognitive skills, thinking abilities that we talk about as being relevant to work, to education, to life but are often challenging to pinpoint in an hour's time or two hours time through traditional testing mechanisms like multiple choice or open response. So I've become fascinated by the premise of using games and simulations to set up situations that were abstract versions, but meaty enough and hefty enough to approximate the kind of realistic problem solving or creative thinking or systems change types of problems that we face in real life. So I'd started a company called Embellis with the vision of changing assessment in both the workforce hiring context and in the education context, particularly looking at high stakes moments where assessment determines who has access on what basis to which opportunities. And I was fascinated by the potential of game-based and simulation-based assessment to index increasingly on the types of skills that matter more and more for work and for life, as opposed to focusing on kind of surface level, could you remember, could you regurgitate? We were able to really dig into these meteor cognitive skills that turned out to align very well with the type of heady, creative, long view work required at Roblox. So we were very fortunate to meet Dave in 2020, no doubt a turbulent time for a company entering the education market, really building on our momentum in the corporate market where we'd worked with corporate customers for many years. And to hear about Roblox's exciting use case for our technology, bringing the best of assessment to this vision to hire extraordinary talent from all walks of life to fill Roblox's newer college level uh, engineering and product positions. So that's how our partnership came to be. Yeah, and a little background, Embellis is and was an amazing company with scientists and cognitive experts. And 
people with this vision around a product, which I played with before we brought the companies together. And I, I remember playing with something that was a simulation of an island with a bunch of different animals and a bunch of things you had to do to figure out some goals for the animals. And I, I loved how both almost culturally neutral it felt. I could imagine anyone taking this thing. And at the same time, it was amazing how this correlated with a lot of the creation skills and problem solving we look for with new employees at Roblox. Absolutely. When I started sketching out the ideas for our first tasks, which are portions of our assessments, so think about them as discrete games or simulations that focus on a particular cognitive skill, one of the challenges was determining a context-neutral environment that would allow us to quickly get you into a deep problem-solving or a deep systems-thinking kind of prompt or mindset but wouldn't require a huge ramp up of some pre-existing base of knowledge because we never wanted to infringe on measuring those deeper cognitive skills by mistakenly measuring the degree to which you'd ramped up on whatever content domain. So I didn't want you to have to be a physicist or a computer scientist prior to being able to look at those different cognitive skills. And the beauty of using a natural world environment, which at the time, Dave, was what you experienced of our early product, was everyone had basic familiarity with the component pieces, you know, and have expectations around what a plant is and what it isn't, what an animal is and what it isn't, how it works, how food systems work. But you don't need to have depth of expertise on any one of those elements to start to make sense and meaning of the kind of cumulative systems or phenomena that we would be exploring through setting up these different tasks. So it offered simultaneously an accessible, but also rich and deep and complex canvas for setting up the kinds of prompts and thinking that we were most interested in measuring. So fast forward now, I don't know how many, we get thousands and thousands of applicants for our internship program and our new college grad program. All of these applicants get to experience the vision of Embellus. As we had hoped, those experiences have been brought over to run on Roblox. So we're we're, we're using simulations inside Roblox for all of these applicants. And then an amazing thing uh, that I never thought would happen is we've been able to essentially ignore the university that someone went to because we have our own assessment. Could you comment on that? Because I didn't expect we'd ever get there. Yeah, this was part of why I was so interested in assessment, right? Assessment doesn't sit in a vacuum in either context, in the workplace hiring context or in the educational context. But instead, assessment is just this horizontal line of code that has a lot of bearing on everything that comes before it and everything that happens after it. And in the educational context, assessment plays a major incentive driving role of how we teach, what we teach, who advances. And it obviously has a major matching function in terms of which places and opportunities are available on the basis of the success, degree of success of that instruction. But in the workplace, when you think about hiring assessments, hiring assessments like Embellus were just one piece of a long stage of hiring steps. Those could be interviews, those could be structured observation sessions, those could be third-party references, right? Whatever those pops were, assessment was just one of those. And ours in particular sat pretty near the top of that funnel. 
But generally, something that happens before for most companies, before you invite candidates to spend an hour of their time going through a detailed assessment, you want to make sure they check off some basic boxes. And that's usually what a resume screen would be all about. And the problem is we can't help but assert traditional proxies for qualifications for jobs based on all of our mental models and experiences and probabilities of what works and what doesn't over that resume review process. And often some of the things we index on are GPA and the prestige of a college that someone has attended or a specific program. And it's daunting for companies who are used to assessing thousands of applicants in that first resume review stage to think about getting rid of some of those initial proxy cuts that help you winnow down the pool so that you're able to take other folks who are remaining through a series of time and labor intensive steps. And one of the beautiful things about building a fair, reliable, valid, predictive assessment that really hones in on the skills that matter most to success in a particular role at a particular company is you can trust that assessment a little bit earlier in your process with fewer constraints or guardrails kind of embracing that initial applicant pool as pre-cuts. And so you're able to kind of move up this very hopefully if we do our jobs well, objective look at someone's ability to come into a novel situation and demonstrate what they know and can do, how they're able to marshal the skills and past experiences they've had in a context that's hopefully quite representative of the one your job offers. And you're able to offer a judgment on should this person continue on in the more expensive, laborious parts of our hiring process that come after that assessment period with a degree of confidence that you might not have if you didn't have such a customized tool available to you. So that's been an exciting development to implement at Roblox, no doubt. Yeah, I'm so proud of the fact that side by side with Ivy League candidates, we have community college candidates who are both making it through our initial screens, thanks to the work your group did at Embellus. So thank you to that. I think it's helping Roblox be great. And this is a great riff when we talked about Embellus running on Roblox as an experience on Roblox. That's very different than social communication with friends. Now Roblox is used as a platform where 3D immersive assessment is occurring and this dovetails directly into what we call a verticalization strategy. Can you share what that means and how Embellus is one part of a verticalized strategy and how education and the others might be as well? Absolutely. There's huge opportunity to think about gaming as just the first vertical Roblox tackled, but nowhere near the last or representing the ceiling of where Roblox might go next. And education represents a natural continuation of taking full advantage of all the platform and its engines have to offer the same way assessment does. The same ingredients when applied in a novel market with a different ecosystem, but mirroring the same nature of ecosystem we see around the existing gaming community of players and content creators and the many sub-ecosystems that feed into those content creators, both on and off platform. We can expect to see mirror ecosystems stand up around education, around brand work, around music communities, around office environments and Roblox in those contexts where we imagine a whole group of folks who benefit 
from everything this platform has to offer when configured and reimagined for the applications their specific industries or functions call on them to navigate. And so in assessment, we're able to make use of this high fidelity physics engine, this multiplayer environment, this ability to communicate, whether it's live with voice or through chat, and to capitalize on those pre-existing technical components for a very serious effort of trying to provide a read on someone's capabilities vis-a-vis an opportunity. In education, the possibility space and the landscape for this vertical is enormous as we think about the benefits conferred by having a free, highly scalable, robust to all sorts of technologies and platforms that device types that folks around the world might have opportunity for learning to be virtually free and for it to be seamless and immersive and engaging and multiplayer, which is a huge breakthrough. And I harp on that because it's very challenging on other platforms sometimes for content providers to imagine and then manifest with the technical teams and resources available to them, the opportunity to have immersive simulation or game-based learning experiences that are built for whole teams as opposed to just individual learners working on their own. So the education market, we think about a marshalling of organizations who are experts at building educational content and a pairing of those organizations with developers who understand how to build in game-based or simulation-based environments, digital tool landscapes, with the idea that Roblox is a very convenient and powerful place to bring their shared vision for what immersive digital learning opportunities might look like in a place like Roblox where students already have just incredible buy-in and excitement. Yeah, that's super exciting. And as we talk today, One thing I'd ask our listening audience to keep in the back of their minds is when we say verticalization and platform at Roblox, we're trying to do something very difficult, which is use exactly the same platform, not split it, not have a music version and a business version and an education version and a play version. We really are trying to build a utility that is used for all of these so that we can keep a lot of focus on it. I think it might be fun for people out there as well to give a quick history of what is educational software in general and lead into the primitive beginnings of it and then where it starts to just blow our minds as far as what it can be. And I I think maybe the way to do this is I'll go back from the 50 year to the 20 year ago stuff. And then you can go forward from the 20 year ago forward stuff. Because I remember the very first version of educational software I ever played with was on a paper teletype reader with something called Oregon Trail where the level of interactivity was simply typing choice one, two, or three. And that was a very primitive level of interaction in the 70s. In the 1980s, we had a burst of technology. We had Apple IIs, we had PCs, we had TRS-80s. And all of a sudden, we had a, a screen. We still had versions of Oregon Trail that got mapped over from this. But we then started to see this very early vision of educational software and and the ability to use things. There was a really interesting phenomena in the 80s 
that I, I believe the world has outgrown that back in the 80s, people thought young people needed kitty versions of everything, kitty word processor, kitty spreadsheet, kitty pics. Um, and one thing we, we have seen going forward is very well-designed commercial tools are just as good for kids as grown-ups, And we see much more that notion that younger people use the same things that adults use. Along the way, one of the things that led to the formation of Roblox was a company called Knowledge Revolution that was aimed at the early physics simulation market that had a lot of the principles of Roblox, which was let's build a physics laboratory on a computer, Let's allow students to model all kinds of things in their physics textbook to figure out how projectile motion works or uh, block sliding down a plane. And one of the things that led to Roblox is we had a lot of young people not just doing their physics homework or explorations, but trying to build stuff, trying to build car crashes and buildings falling down and all of those kind of things. And it led to that early 2000s area where we started Roblox because we could see that people wanted this to be 3D. People wanted an avatar to interact in the environment. People wanted this to be multiplayer with their friends. And so a lot of the early underpinnings of Roblox in those early 2000s actually came from educational use of knowledge revolution with the notion of building a high quality commercial utility platform that was now 3D multiplayer avatar based, as you said, that people could use for play as well as education. And I think that was right in line within the early 2000s when the web started coming more and more online. And there was a whole new wave of what we think of as educational software at which point I'll hand it off to you because you're very familiar with that. Yeah, I guess I would approach it from my early history of studying the education system picks up a little bit more on what's the ecosystem into which all of that software and that technological advancement enters our schools and what's the context and how does it change over a 20-year period in our schools such that the resulting landscape of diverse use of digital tools in classrooms and nature of what those tools try to address with educators and with students results in the patchwork that we have today. I think the conditions of what's happening to the education system over the last 20 years increasingly point to a want and a recognition that the nature of what students need to be capable of as, as adults is changing fast and dramatically and in ways that it would be destructive to ignore. And we see an increase in standards at the state level, at the federal level, across other nations as well, an emphasis and import of some of these fundamental higher order thinking skills interacting with the content that students are responsible for learning. And we, I think, have a collective appreciation of the shift from hunting and gathering information being sufficient to the synthesis and willingness to consider abstract connections across fields of information to work with those ideas as the basis for creativity, for problem solving, for understanding and perceiving systems, and to allow that increased mandate on what humans 
after high school and college, if, if folks choose to take a post-secondary educational path, need to confront as adults in the workforce. And so our states rightly start to include many more of those higher order thinking skills across subject areas as kind of the top of the pyramid of what students need to know and be capable of doing in different domains. But our classroom curricular and instructional materials then have to play catch up to that new vision for what everyone should be capable of. Can you share when you say the word synthesis, what that means? I'd say the ability to, if you imagine in your mind, a web of knowledge hooks or ideas and frameworks with which you already have familiarity, the ability to compile each new bit of information we amass onto an appropriate mapping of those existing mind pegs or hooks, such that you can draw connections across fields, not just containerize your understanding of physics or biology in a bucket that never should permeate or enter any other realm of information. Is that the difference between remembering a lot of isolated facts versus having a conceptual framework that allows you to more readily solve problems or build stuff or answer questions, or am I overly simplifying? I think what our collective education system understood was the import of bringing knowledge to bear in what are often novel environments where you haven't seen all the particulars before. It's not a thing you could have studied in advance in a textbook. And to apply your judgment with your understanding of a field to have a chance, in your words, Dave, at solving a problem or at designing a creative idea that's going to have some impact. And when I step back and think about that evolution of our expectation and the increased focus on synthesis or abstract reasoning or systems thinking, that's where we look at what's happened in the classroom in the last 20 years and still see a lot of opportunity for providers in the education technology space to work with our systems, with our schools, with our educators, not against them, not to ignore the constraints and the incentives driving those systems to produce a higher ceiling for all of our students and a higher floor to make sure that our least privileged, least advantaged students have a real shot at mastering those skills as well. So I think we've seen a lot of important work in making learning maybe more efficient, more open, less expensive, right? We've seen a huge boom in MOOCs and online coursework, but I'm still excited for the potential for more and more providers who come into the education space to focus on depth, not just breadth, but how do I help people learn more deeply and how do I prepare them for taking an example that they learned about in context A, and in the future when they encounter context C, which is quite far removed, having the cognitive wherewithal and the self-regulation and recognition to think about what from that previous time that I learned about is relevant here, and how do I bring it over and then marry it with new information on new pegs in my mind that I've amassed since then. So this is going to get really interesting as we start talking about some of the partners we have. The educational vision at Roblox, I feel, has blossomed from maybe the early assumption things, which is, well, it's learning to code so you can make games and experiences to something a little more mature, which we're getting into, which is 
educational experiences that help with synthesis maybe is a way to say it and then and then ultimately i think there's a more far out longer term vision around the ability to be together at a distance with a school over in japan where we're learning a language or we're co-communicating so it's gotten a lot richer i feel when you think about for the next year or two both which of those we're focusing on and also students versus educators versus creators is there a way for you to say for the next year or two this is a huge focus area both on the domain and the people involved so i think the early organic adoption of roblox studio into computer science learning context makes all the sense in the world because what a rewarding and compelling environment in which to learn computer science skills and then instantly see the fruits of your labor and the ability to share that with friends and family and have this feedback loop that encourages you to keep building and keep learning. So not at all surprising that we've seen that. And of course, we as a company want to continue to nurture computer science instruction using studio and other subjects leveraging studio as well. But I think the new area that we're investing in is in creating the self-sustaining ecosystem of educators, of students, of educational organizations, and of developers who understand the broad applicability of an immersive digital co-experience platform to map into a number of grade levels and a number of subject areas. And the vision is not that you're using an experience that's a simulation of school all day, every day. For the next couple of years, the vision instead, I think, for us is that where content could be best brought to life or sufficiently better at helping students explore, understand, make connections, particularly abstract connections in a digital immersive 3D environment with their peers, right, since we offer multiplayer and social experiences we should make the case and make it possible for that community of educators and creators and students to take advantage of our platform. And so we're focused on investing in this early flywheel of outstanding content creators and outstanding educational organizations, educators, and student populations who are ready to explore some of those higher order thinking skills as deeper learning opportunities in environments that are deserving of that kind of headspace and time and understanding. I think there's a happy side effect to the approach we've been taking of working with these excellent educational organizations through our Roblox Community Fund, which is our initiative to make grants to actually start this flywheel going to catalyze some of the vision and work of these educational developers and their partner educational organizations which is that we're amassing a library of free, highly applicable and robust and standards aligned content across subject areas and across domains that's available to students the world over. Students who are in the US working with these content providers, be it Project Lead the Way or the Museum of Science or First Robotics, all of our partners who are in schools now in the US, or be it students in Japan or in South Korea who are just interested and want access to perhaps first robotics experiences like Roboco Sports League on Roblox, but right now might ha not have the real life version. So we're excited about the broadening of the opportunity for folks to interact with this content and for the start of this flywheel of more and more creators in the education space to recognize Roblox as a destination and a tool. Let's bring FIRST Robotics to life because for me, it's such a amazing, really easy to understand example of what's being made possible. And I believe a lot of us have seen 
battle bots on TV. A lot of us have seen robot competitions either at the high school or the college level. I know there's a lot of robotics clubs and things out there that's all physical challenges with their robots. And the creation of robots involves mechanical acuity, involves coding, involves a wide range of teams. And so we have this real life physical thing that we're all familiar with. Can you map that to what the digital manifestation of that is with FIRST Robotics and Roblox in our partnership? Absolutely. Filament Games as well, who's been at the helm of this translation for years of how do you take the very best of what's special about FIRST Robotics in particular as a program? Not that there aren't other robotics programs out there, but in particular, FIRST Robotics has these values of cooperation that your teammate today might be your competitor tomorrow and vice versa. And you want to win with everyone at their best, right? You want all boats to rise and then to have um, meritocratic victory. And also this value of graceful professionalism that kids aren't building robots to use the first robotic slogan, robots are building kids, right? So thinking about this positive identity formation, these virtues of character and this ability, again, to think cross-functionally, as you mentioned, Dave, across all the domains that touch robotics and to work as a team, to do something incredibly challenging and to overcome adversity in these competitions so Filament and First together have been thoughtful about how do you take the very best of that spirit and ethos and how do you map that to a digital space with incentive systems and the design of how players can interact in a space on Roblox to competitions and the way you structure your arena and the way you structure the challenges within those competitions. You're building your robot and imagining the sets of parts you need to interact with a range of challenges that you're going to complete some smaller teams, some on larger teams, depending on the challenge. And you're in an arena where you have lots of choice about what kinds of challenges you want to compete in. There are fun riffs without giving too much away on sports activities that one might compete with in a team in real life. And then you play these different challenges and you switch up teams and you have the ability to learn from each other, to watch how people are constructing their robots. So I think it does a nice job capturing the ethos. If you've ever been to a first competition of like the build zones and the pits, and this idea that teams are able to walk the floor and learn from each other and immediately help each other out when their robots break down. It has a lot of that energy in the building environments. And then in the competition environment, similarly, you have you know onlookers who are cheering you on. And then you also have collaborators and teammates who then in round robin style might be playing as your competitor in the next round. Now, a couple things that pop to my mind. First is anyone with a computer basically now has access to all of the hardware and the parts that you typically would actually need to order to build a robot. So I think that's right. Now, the second thing is I believe in, in first robotics on Roblox, you can ride your robot, which is typically the robots aren't that big when we make them in real life, which is something that highlights the the difference between a simulation and real life now we can make crazy robots and then the the third thing i've noticed is the set of parts and components it just seems to be getting more and more broad so the classes of robots i've seen are very very broad weird bird-like insect-like dystopian things from another planet that are all working together and people are riding around on them when i've played it it felt 
so in line with the vision from 15 years ago when we started Roblox is really satisfying. And Dave, I'm sure listeners of this podcast are familiar with your terminology of combinatorial excellence, right? I think that's just what the first and filament team have been achieving. This vision of we give you the parts, we make them work, we make good use of Roblox's realistic physics engine and all the interactions it can support. And then we marvel at the creations and creativity of a community, which also to your point, Dave, is now greater and not prohibited by the costs and heaviness of having to find this real world equipment, which can sometimes be out of reach. Yeah, so that is so lovely. Um, So when I think of synthesis, I think, okay, there's a lot, naively, there's a lot of synthesis going on. We're having to take what we understand of the physical world and predict how things are going to work. Now, there's another project that we've worked on called Mission to Mars, which is a different type of synthesis. One way to think of it might be Oregon Trail plus 50 years to the future, where we're now immersive 3D. We're doing it in it feels more real. We're jumping in rather than from afar. Can you share a bit about what Mission to Mars is and the and what students do in that environment? So this is the Museum of Science Boston project. And for context, Museum of Science has a program called Engineering is Elementary. And their curriculum focuses on engineering design and engineering development. And they saw an opportunity to use Roblox, actually also in partnership with Filament Games, to imagine a next generation science standards and engineering design process aligned experience that takes place on Mars, where students are building rovers that are capable of traversing different terrain to complete different missions. And this is targeted at middle school students. So they're able to come in and find their custom spacesuit and learn about the challenges at hand, the nature of the terrain on Mars. They can explore all of the icy patches and hot environments and figure out which challenges of interest to them. And then they have to engineer their vehicle and they iterate. So they get real feedback as they're traversing these terrains. It's informed by real data backed by the science team at the Museum of Science who specializes in Mars and the planet's features. And students then incorporate the feedback they get as they play and iterate to redesign their vehicle. And the reason Mission Mars is a really important and emblematic example of what we hope many of the educational experiences will be like on Roblox is the team successfully married the learning objective, which is this mastery of the engineering design process with the core game loop. The very thing you're doing is designing and iterating on this vehicle for the task or engineering challenge at hand. So it's a beautiful example of not having the learning bit happen and then earning currency to spend in a playing portion, but instead imagining, hey, what's the playful learning that can happen here where the more you play, the deeper the learning, the better the understanding. And that's what we're excited to see from all of our partners. Is there some notion, I'm remembering when I took high school physics, we were colliding carts on a little air track and momentum exchange and conservation of momentum there for me i luckily loved physics but there wasn't a lot of connection to the real world it was a little abstract and and i'm wondering if there's some notion where in mission to mars as you're learning similar concepts you're saying this is how it might be applied if i was an engineer and i'm wondering if there's any notion of connection to the real world problem solving that helps motivate people in STEM? 
I would say in a scoped down and probably still abstracted version, that's a fair mapping. But keep in mind for our middle school students, they might not be ready for the, the full complexity and simulation. But I think the concepts are there and the variables you're minding, the optimizations you're navigating are probably quite realistic. But I look forward to welcoming even more fidelity and realism in content with partners like Museum of Science, like NASA, and like many of the scientific great institutions out there in the future. Okay, awesome. So we're on a great start here. We're um, we're seeing what we hoped happened really when we created Roblox, and that is if we build a very high quality free product, really, that is a utility. And as we said, can be verticalized. So the same thing and platform can be used for play or communication or concerts or education. We'll, we'll start to see educational experiences now, if we look out into the future five or 10 years, what's the dream state? Where do we think this could go? And as you dream about where it could go, I'll riff on, well, this is the technology we might have to develop to get there. I would say in the next five years, I foresee an ecosystem of outstanding educational organizations and developers who are using Roblox all the time for building out the next chapters of their content for students. Again, content that lends itself really well to digital 3D immersive multiplayer, the dynamism that a game-based environment or simulation-based environment affords, the manipulation of time, for example, really an interesting variable to have in a compressed 40-minute lesson. So I think we'll see that happening organically and ubiquitously. As we zoom out even further and we think about 10 years out, 20 years out, I think here's where I'm excited about an opportunity for increasingly sophisticated content that maybe has a larger footprint over time where students are in an experience interacting, say, in larger groups and maybe over a year. So thinking even further out of, of 10 plus years, I'm excited for an opportunity or world in which more students are perhaps engaging in these multiplayer experiences, these deep abilities and opportunities to understand and experiment where they might be using the experience several times throughout the year, not just like once in a 40 minute session. And they might be doing so in order to really unpack or explore systems that are hard to otherwise experience. An example of this might be unpacking the abstracted versions, not necessarily with realistic data, but of how elections work or how civic engagement can work for communities of different sizes, scopes, scales, natures. And having a firsthand appreciation for the complexity of some of these systems that can otherwise be challenging to chew on. So I'm excited to think about Roblox as a destination for self-guided learners in informal contexts all the way through very formal contexts, be it in university or K-12, to focus on tackling some of the challenging problems and topics that might otherwise be uh, less accessible. Okay, I'm going to play lightning round now with a bunch of random educational dream ideas I've had. And assuming the technology gets good enough, which is higher fidelity, better quality, all of you know those things we're working on so deliberately. And of course, assuming the, the core foundation of civility and safety, that's always been a part of Roblox. I'm going to ask you various educational ideas and tell me if you think they're going to come true. One is it becomes really fun to learn a foreign language 
by going and playing with young people in another country using very civil and safe voice animation technology. So we're just out playing with someone in Italy or Japan. Yes. And I'm going to add to learn to read in your own language when you're three, four years old. Okay. Cha-ching. Thank you. Next, the trade-off and the balance long-term between interacting with real people in these complex learning systems versus interacting with what we call NPCs, which are going to be increasingly intelligent AI bots that start to simulate types things. Do you have a personal vision of, of what the mix is going to be over time? I think we will learn to interact with both because the future of our lives will include interacting with both. Excellent. I, I agree with that. One of the terms sometimes, you know, pilots use flight simulators to do things they wouldn't want to do in the real world. That's why we use flight simulators. So when you practice stalling or you practice an engine out on takeoff, and some of these things are quite scary for pilots because they're in a flight simulator. Do you think younger people will use simulations of, you know, becoming more sophisticated about things to be careful of in the real world by using educational simulations? Yes, for a number of potential risks or hazards that people face. Absolutely. I hope we have educational content there. And I think for career previews, I think that's an exciting category as well. Learn about where your interests are, what skills are required, and start building them. Okay. As the quality of immersive 3D simulation gets better and better, more and more the ability to be together even when not together in person especially in groups and especially when interacting with an environment and reading personal cues and you know we we always talk about dissecting a frog together virtually so you're not using the real frog this notion of distance teleaccess with people that might not be in your same school district do you think we'll see more of this as the technology gets better? I think we'll see more of it so that we're able to forge better connections across geographies. I also think we'll see good use of group exploration to times and places and spaces that are non-existent or otherwise inaccessible, like space, like historical travel, like far-off places. And I think we'll see use of convening in a digital medium, be it with small groups or larger groups, where doing so in real life might be painful or scary or challenging for individuals who are still struggling with some of those aspects of human connection that can be really hard to develop. So I'm excited about all of the above. And that's a whole separate show, which you just brushed on, which is the amazing mental health range of things that virtual platforms can offer people, but we're going to tag that for the future. Um, so, hey, Rebecca, it's been so wonderful having you here today. I think this is one of the more optimistic and inspiring programs around the way the world is going. So it's been very invigorating for me to have you and be able to chat with you today. Likewise. It's always fun, Dave. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And that's all for another episode of Tech Talks. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to find out more about careers at Roblox, check out roblox.com forward slash careers. 
I'm your host, Dave Bazuki. See you again next time.